This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. the radio will lock me that is read lock me in there here birmingham mountain radio 107.3 fm in town 92.3 pelham bm mountain radio.com all over the place i think maybe this red diamond starting to kick in just a little bit and so is the tortugas oh boy it's so good it is so good so good indeed i yep. multiple kinds of pizza here yep. as well yep they're the best they are no question about it all right so here we go back in it with dr mark westfall been just just a little while my fault not yours. <laughs> now, you're traveling a little bit. Oh, you mean, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. I yeah. was traveling some. You were sick. You yeah. Know, a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. But, so, uh, well, glad to be back. Yeah, glad to be back at it for sure. Um, of course, tonight's episode uh, here with Dr. Westfall, anything you hear, if you want to re-listen to it or share it with your friends, it will be podcasted next week, usually early in the week, uh, under the podcast, Let's Think On It. So, there you go. Go ahead and subscribe to that. And we put all that stuff. I always say we. Uh, Dr. Westfall and Darby put all that stuff up, so <laughs> yeah. there you go. Okay, we're going to revisit a topic that we talked about uh, four years ago, if I remember correctly. It seems like it was in the last presidential election. Talking about specifically narcissism or personality disorders in general? I thought, did we not do one just we on narcissism? We did a full one on narcissism. Huh? Uh-huh. I went back and looked. We did one on, one of the reasons I brought the circle this back around, we did one on borderline personality disorder. Mm. Okay. And it's we the covered... number one listen to podcast. Really? By doubles anything else out there. You think it's people like searching for a Madonna song and they run across <laughs> it? I bet that's what it is. <laughs> Probably so. Maybe so. Yeah. Is that um, the one where we covered narcissism? Because I do remember covering it at some we've point. We've talked about narcissism in general, for sure, just yeah. in the context of all this, you know, everything that's transpired. But we yeah. haven't really um, gone through the criteria and had one specifically on that. I, I love coming back to personality disorders in general um, because they're poorly understood, um, even by people in the profession. Yeah. Um, they're still working on, we're still working on trying to understand how to define it. Uh, the, the criteria keep changing. So it's, it's a moving target. And I think it's something that everybody can connect with because we interact with other people yep. and people turns out people have personalities and disorders and sometimes a disorder thereof. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so personality Personality traits in general, I love to talk about, and personality disorders, uh, you know, is is a, an extreme version of a particular trait. Right. Um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about personality traits in general, and I'm going to hone in on narcissism uh, specifically because obviously people have been talking about it a lot, but I feel like um, sometimes it it uh, is misunderstood. Yeah, I bet so. Yeah, yeah, I think people just have yeah. a real simplified sort of understanding of what that might mean. Right, right. <clears throat> okay, good. So, and, and whether you know whether a trait actually, um, yeah, be, it is a disorder. I mean, people can have a trait of something. It doesn't mean it's a disorder. Yeah, you might. Yeah. Okay. So we'll so, talk about that and where where the lines yeah, are between. What does it mean to have a disorder? Yeah, people just yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah that's what we're gonna do. Today. Okay, great. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So uh, you know, specifically for for uh, for narcissism. Yeah. Uh, let's go. You, you probably know a lot about this, Reed. You're an English guy, right? Okay. Yeah. So, where does the term come from? Narcissus. It's a, a Greek myth, probably. Greek myth. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I knew that as well, but that's fine. That's yeah. <laughs> okay, Will. So, tell me about the Greek myth. Oh well, this fella, <laughs> this narcissist. Oh, jeez. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
falls in love with himself, looking at his own reflection, right? Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. apparently spent a day hunting, and he pulls up by a stream, and uh, he um, sees his reflection in the water, and he doesn't want to take a, a sip of water because it want, he wanted to disrupt his reflection, so he ends yeah. up staying there until his demise. Yeah. And then flowers come up where he was, and uh, the name of the flower is Narcissus. There you go. That's where the Narcissus plants come from. I there. didn't know that part. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, also part of that uh, Greek uh, myth uh, is Echo. Y'all know who Echo is? Oh, I don't know if I know that much about that. I'm not sure I do. Echo apparently was uh, a Greek, uh, I guess, nymph maybe, or something okay. along that line. Yeah. Um, and she tried to gain uh, Narcissus' uh, affection mm. at the waterside. Okay. He, he, he wouldn't have any of it. He was too engrossed with himself. Interestingly, Echo had been somehow cursed with uh, not being able to have her own words. Oh. She could only repeat what she heard. There you go. So she, uh, after being pushed away from by Narcissus, went off into the woods, and no one's seen her again, but everyone can still hear her voice. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, Echo. Yeah. Echolalia is the, uh, what that dysfunction where people wind up with this i know because in, in slaughterhouse five one of the characters is thought to have that's you know, right to speech that's right. only repeating what people have said exactly yeah. right. which actually you think about it we'll get into more about what a narcissist narcissist is but um it might actually be a pretty good combination of personalities because yeah. a narcissist wants to hear all these good things so he says i'm the best ever best ever best ever best ever right, right. so the echo can only echo back it should have been a match made in heaven, but for some reason it just didn't work. Yeah. He pushed her away, and they're both now no longer exist. There so, you go. Hmm. Yeah, that's the All great right. mythology. Actually, I had heard that story, to be fair. I didn't know it when you asked, but yeah. Well, yeah, I then, had to go read. I mean, of I, course. I, I don't walk oh, around knowing dude, this stuff. Always go, yeah. Go I, read had, I had to go. No, no, no. To read, yes. Oh, no, true, I had to yeah. read about it to remind <laughs> oh, myself of the you. story. <laughs> gotcha. That as well. That's a common that error. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. So that's where we get the idea so, of narcissism. Yeah. So, okay. So if someone says, hey, you, this guy's a narcissist. What are they typically saying? I mean, I'm asking for when a non-psychiatrist says that. What are they talking about? Okay, so I think that the way people commonly refer to narcissists, for example, would maybe be more along the lines of what we might think of as like an egomaniac, like someone who cares only about himself and his own interests and, you know, uh, or that maybe would be Ivanka like, as well, but that's about it, right? <laughs> but that would be like the extreme version of it. I think you could be a narcissist, basically have, you know, where you just care too much about yourself. It's yeah. not the only thing you care about, but you just care way too much about your yeah. so self you, and you're too yeah. vain. And yeah, yeah, you're saying, you're describing someone will who just has a, a trait of narcissism. Correct. Right? Yeah. They just have a, a, a sprinkling of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it it seems to uh, they seem to put themselves before anybody else in, Correct, in yeah. their thoughts or yeah. in their actions. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So um, let's talk about personalities in general for a second yeah. um, and traits in general because interestingly enough, the psychiatric and the psychological areas of study do not have in stone what actually is a personality. Mm, right. We're still working on it. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So, you know, when someone casually labels somebody with something, it, you know, it's, it's a moving target. We're still understanding what it means to have a personality, quote unquote, disorder. You know, right. as you know, the, a lot of things we thought were disorders now, we don't call disorders anymore. Sure. Right. Um, and so 
we're still wrestling with what makes a personality trait a disorder because we all have personality traits. We all have them. Some right. of which people like about us, some of which people may not like about us. So some like if you're which, shy, for example, that would be a personality yeah, trait. It's a great, yeah. Being okay. shy is a personality trait. What I like to think of is any trait you can come up with exists on a spectrum mm -hmm. with its opposite trait. So what would be the opposite of being shy? Uh, boisterous, maybe, or gregarious, okay. or something like that. All right. So you could put that, you could come up with one name that, that defines that whole spectrum yeah. and put it on a spectrum and say, okay, someone exists somewhere on this spectrum. Let's say it's between points one and 100. Right. And you could find somewhere in there that each person exists on that particular trait. Sure. So then you could come up with a number of traits. So let's just list off a few traits that exist in people's personality. You mentioned friendly. Chuck. Friendly. Okay. Yeah. Would introverted be what an extroverted? No, that's a different. Yeah, introvert, extrovert. That's a sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. Hey, it's really quick. Similar uh, to shy. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. But although maybe a, a little, little different. different. A little right. Different. Exactly. Yeah. So these things that seem similar, but there's a subtle difference. Yeah. Is there a word for us talking to somebody about this the other day for an extroverted introvert? So somebody who really doesn't like like going to the store and talking to people and doesn't want to have small talk. They don't want to, you know be in big gatherings for the most part, but also they're a very personable person. Like they like to be around other people, but... Great question. Because isn't there... Fantastic a, question. Isn't yeah. there a word for that or no? So I don't think... I don't know that there's a word for that, okay. but it's a great observation. And, and then we, what we came up with is it's an extroverted introvert. Introvert. So like mostly introverted, doesn't want to go do the big social stuff and again, talk to people in the store, yet is personable. Yeah. Well, so let's... let's Drill in on that a little bit, because it's a great question. It's a great example of yeah. how traits are on a spectrum and how people don't stay on a number. Right. Right. Okay, let's say, I'm, let's say I'm a third. Let's say introverts, zero, extroverts, 100. Let's say I'm a 30. I don't stay on 30. Why? Because I'm human. We adjust our traits depending on the situation. We can temporarily be a lot of different things. Yeah. Okay, so we're not hardwired to be just this one trait, but where do we trend to most of the time right. would be kind of what, what you would define as an introvert. Many introverts can be extroverted, um, and it also depends where you are on the spectrum. A person who's zero may have a lot of difficulty being a 100, even for a minute or two, right? But someone who's 50 might can ramp it up if they're really excited or doing a presentation. A lot of introverts are actors. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're on, they're, when they are on stage, they kind of take on a different persona and they suddenly can be a very different person. But when they're back at home, they really get their, where they get their batteries charged, so to speak, is they need some downtime. Right. They can't just do it all the time. Whereas an extrovert, for example, would is, for example, in the COVID thing, they're having a tough time being quarantined or isolated because yeah. it is not what makes them tick. It's really, really hard for them. To be by themselves. To be by themselves right. and to be, or even just with the same two people. It's like they need, they feed off of stimulation the energy of other from, people mm, and stimulation. Yeah. So um, it, it is, it's a great question, Will. People don't stay in one place. People can be all sorts of things. Yeah, I'm that first example you gave. <clears throat> the want to be home, generally, that's where my batteries yeah, are recharged. But can but then, be extroverted when you need to be. Yeah, when Facebook Live comes on. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that's very important when, we, when people start labeling other people because most people get very categorical. 
that's how our brains tend to work. Um, you know, when we first learn something, it needs to be in a category. Um, only after we really have mastered something can we then take away the lines of categorization and see that there's a lot of gray and in between, and we make make see people are on a spectrum and those kind of things. Yeah. So um, it's it's very difficult to pigeonhole someone. I heard someone online said, "I don't, I don't like to, I don't think pigeons belong in holes, much less people." <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, we should be cautious about making those kinds of assumptions and reductions of people's yes. complex personalities. Exactly. Yeah. To that point, as a psychiatrist, yeah. um, someone has already brought up in, in reference, I think, to um, the current president. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a psychiatrist standpoint, I can't diagnose Donald Trump sure. with anything if I haven't met him right. and talked with people around him gotten detailed information i really can't diagnose him with anything so a psychiatrist that said he has x um i mean clinically it's it's really not done and interestingly enough this goes back to um eth- ethically mm-hmm. the american psychiatric association apa struggled with this in the 60s when a um a previous um politician uh, barry goldwater mm. was running for president uh, i was born the year he was running so i can't say that i knew or experienced it 64 um but apparently he was a little bit controversial and so this magazine sent out um questionnaires to a bunch of psychiatrists and said do you think he's fit to serve as president um and some of them answered it well the apa said whoa 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 whoa. you that 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 diminishes our profession you can't diagnose someone from the tv um and say that you know who they are you can have an opinion as right. to their ability, like, you know, as an individual, I'm a citizen, I can have an opinion about who I, their traits or what I think, can they, you know, are they going to be a good president or not? But I can't diagnose someone. Can I ask you a question about yeah. that? Wouldn't you also agree, though, that uh, psychiatrists or psychologists would be uniquely situated as people with a certain level of expertise where they might have opinions specifically about the kinds of things that might be reasonable deductions, but certainly ethically and professionally, they should stop short of saying, let me tell you what the deal is with this guy. But maybe they, maybe they could offer some meaningful advice with regard to like, well, when I see this behavior, it makes me think of these things. Right. Great question. So my, uh, in general, um, I, some psychiatrists have pushed back. Well, let me back up. The Goldwater thing yeah. stirred a, 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 um, a, I guess a, uh, a rule, numbered yeah. rule by the APA. It's called the Goldwater rule. You know, not the golden sh- rule. Short term, the Goldwater rule. And um, so, some psychiatrists are pushing back against that now, saying, it, particularly in this current administration, saying it's so obvious to me he's that there is a problem. I can't keep silent. Right. So your question is a really good one. Yeah. Um, what uh, what can you observe from someone's behavior, um, and what can you glean from that? Obviously, a psychologist or psychiatrist probably should be able to glean more from what they're seeing than someone who's not trained. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my goal tonight is not to diagnose anybody with anything, but I want to educate the public about what traits are in general and about narcissism in general because there's probably whether or not you're talking about someone in the white house or someone in your house sure everyone's come across someone who has a personality uh trait that's so strong that it affects behavior that affects relationships yeah and that's what we're talking about when we get to a a disorder we're talking about a trait that's so pronounced 
that it negatively affects that person's functioning. Yeah. And we'll talk about that okay. after a break. Yep. Take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what color the house is that the narcissist lives in. <laughs> right. I've got a few guesses. All right. We're talking about narcissism and uh, really what that means, right? Because I think we all yeah. have a broad idea as we discussed yeah, in the last segment, but yeah. 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 So personality disorders in general, uh, we talked touch base on everyone, essentially long story short, think of a huge synthesizer with slide bars that go from zero to hundred and there's probably 50 slots. Right. And everybody, you can slide that into different positions. So you get a different sound. It's almost like music. You know, there's a set number of notes, but an infinite number of songs. Right. So there may be a set number of traits, although we haven't, we haven't uh, agreed upon what that set is, but there's probably a set number of personality traits that exist in, in humans, but to infinite spectrum for each individual one yeah, such that they can all be tweaked one way or the other yeah, yeah. such that there's there's no two people who are alike the permutations are, yeah. yeah so which is what what frustrates me when people lump someone in a category say they have this condition um because it's very categorical and we're going to move beyond that in the yeah. long run we're already starting to in psychiatry so um I'm going to I'm going to go over what narcissistic personality disorder currently is yeah but just to understand that we're moving away from that and really where we're moving to is looking at does a person's personality affect their function negatively? Okay. Right, because that would be what a disorder is. Right. It'd be a and disorder. everybody's personality is different. Personalities are like snowflakes, especially yeah. liberals. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Good. So it does that does that personality trait or traits create dysfunction in their life? Right. And what we look at for that is how it affects their uh, their ability to have intimacy. Right. Their ability to have empathy, uh, their self-identity, mm-hmm. and their self-direction. That's kind of what we boil it down to, to some degree. Those, I mean, you could add to that list, but we currently like you know, those are kind of our personality affects who we are. How we perceive the world is affected by our personality. That's a that's a key statement. Let me say it again: our personality affects how we perceive the world yeah. and how we behave. Okay, so. If you have a trait that's causing you to perceive the world in such a way that it's causing you or the people around you problems on a recurring basis, then it's called a disorder. It's that simple. Right. So mm. you, know, you don't know if that's happening until you've talked to the person. Are you distressed by what's happening in your life? Now, the interesting thing about narcissists is they typically aren't distressed. I would say typically, often aren't distressed by their personality traits. Right. Because one of the key traits is they lack some empathy for what how other people experience them. So you would, it's almost like one of those things where the only way you can observe it, like a black hole. You can't observe a black hole. You can just observe the effect it has on the things around it. Great analogy. Okay, so that would be like a narcissist. So a narcissist, yeah. yeah, uh, Are they negatively affecting the people around them such that they can't tolerate them? Well, it makes sense. It's the personality trait that where you would have a problem acknowledging a problem with yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you, everything about you is good. Yeah. Now, what they will, pre- so they rarely present for treatment. Right. Okay. What they often, if they are presenting for treatment, they often are presenting with other symptoms. The most common symptom is depression. Oh. Okay. So if they're not meeting this um, over idealized, grandiose place they think they should be, Mm. or if if people keep kind of reflecting back to them that they're not who they think they are, 
they can drop into a place of despair sometimes. Yeah. Not all. Again, not everybody fits in. It's not a pigeonhole. But sometimes some narcissists will drop into a place of despair. And uh, there is actually um, in some narcissists a high risk for suicide when mm-hmm. they get to that place because yeah. they can't tolerate not being what they thought they were. Might they not also wind up with some level of depression that would just maybe be caused by strained relationships all around them? Well, great question. So frequently when a narcissist is in a relationship and it's not working out, they frequently will put the blame on the other person. It's amazing how they won't walk away with an injury from a relationship, even when they've been in, even when they've been like dismissed by someone, Gotcha. they will rationalize it. Their brain, again, Remember, personality disorders affect how we perceive things. They don't perceive it as being their fault. Yeah. So if it's not their fault, how can they feel rejected? They just think, well, that person's crazy. Yeah. That's their problem. Right. Okay. Now, paradoxically, uh, narcissists frequently need admiration. They seek attention often, Mm -hmm. um, and that attention needs to be in the form of admiration. And that typically is in a narc- someone who has a narcissistic trait that also has a, an extroverted trait. Right. Okay, remember this trait of narcissism, which it really can't even boil down to one, one spectrum. It's probably four or five different dials. Yeah. Um, also exists with a hundred other traits. Okay, so if you have an introverted narcissist, well, they're going to have trouble, you know, going out and, and recruiting thoughts of admiration about them. Yeah. Right? Whereas if you have an extroverted uh, narcissist, then they're going to be out there glad-handing and finding someone who can repeat back to them all the things they think about themselves. Yeah. Couldn't the introverted narcissist be the person on Facebook that just sits at their computer all day and argues with people and thinks they're right about everything? So great question. The, the narcissism, the trait of, uh, exists under one of the hierarchical traits of agreeableness mm. or lack of agreeableness. Yes, typically... Um, people who have a narcissistic trait are very argumentative mm. um, because if you aren't thinking like they're thinking, then they th- they presume you're wrong right. because their way of thinking is really all they know. Now, that doesn't mean they can't learn and adapt. Yeah. Um, you know, And it, again, it depends on the level or degree of narcissism. Um, but they're very, very disagreeable at times, especially like you say, the introverted one, the one who's kind of dysphoric, then they get that angry, rejecting, like nobody understands what's going on in the world and I'm mad at everybody. Right. So you get a lot of anger. Um, whereas many narcissists, and again, there's no two that are the same, but many narcissists um, are very personable when you mm. first meet them. Sure. They've become very adept at getting that admiration from you. If you think about it, if I am really thirsty and I have no water and you have all the water, I'm going to figure out a way for you to give me some water. Sure, right. And if admiration is water to me, then I'm going to figure out a way to get admiration from you, at least initially. Yeah. Okay. Now, what happens, so typically you'll get a relationship between two people, one maybe that has a narcissistic trait, and they'll get into a relationship and initially it's like, whoa, this feels good because you know, early in a relationship people are kind of... It's all about focusing on the other person sometimes. And so they're frequently getting their needs met because, you know, the other person's enthralled with them. But as soon as that person loses some of that, you know, uh, enamor, yeah. then 
the relationship can fall apart. Or often what happens is a narcissist might get angry, and if they've hooked up with another personality type who responds by uh, needing to please Mm. or enable, then that person will come right back into saying all the things they need to say to keep that person feeling good because that's what makes the relationship move. And when they don't give that person admiration, the narcissist gets mad, the other person gets their feelings hurt, so they start changing back to reinforcing so it could the narcissist. It be like a codependent kind of like vicious cycle. Yes, that's, happens know. frequently. Yeah. Um, and, so, uh, it, it, and so you'll find people who are in relationships with a narcissist and, and can't, feel like they can't get out of it. Yeah. Um, because the, uh, well, they, two things. They also, often someone who's empathic will get into a relationship with a narcissist because they feel for them. Because they also see that actually behind all of this bravado and this, this grandiosity is actually someone who's in need of attention. Yeah. And so it fuels the, the empathic person's need to give. Yeah. Right? So it's a very common scenario to, to find people in those relationships. Sometimes it works out. I mean, it's a fit and it just yeah. carries on. Um, but sometimes it, it can have disastrous consequences. Um, yeah. Maybe depending a, on the uh, severity of the narcissism. Severity and other, other aspects of their personality. Sure. You know, if someone is uh, aggressive, uh, you know, then it can become an abusive situation. Yeah, sure. And then we didn't even talk about where these traits come from. Um, much of the traits are genetic. Probably 50% or more inheritable, meaning, meaning that uh, if you get a certain combination of genes, you're going to have some of these traits but just like every other thing we have in our body, uh, especially in the brain, yeah. it develops in the context of human relationships and human experiences. So in the first childhood rearing years and up to your 20-something, that, those traits, those, those predispositions are um, f- fueled or diminished by their experiences. So if you have, for example, someone who has narcissistic tendencies, and you have parents who put that child on a pedestal, uh, that could more likely make them even more of a narcissist. Or if you have someone who is maybe that angry, introverted narcissist, and the parents are real demeaning um, and negative, then that just fuels their anger uh, and that no one, you know, understands them. So uh, there's no one way to parent that works or doesn't work, but you sometimes get these perfect storm-type combinations of parents and child that can create something that is beyond what the average, you know, tweak or trait is. Right. So maybe, was it, what was Mr. Miyagi's thing? Middle of the road, or was he against middle of the road? I can't remember. Was, oh. mis, was Mr. Miyagi pro-middle of the road? Are you watching Cobra Kai? Is no, that why I'm you, not. Is this wax on, wax off? See, now I can't remember. Anyway, whatever. I'm just going to say he was pro-middle of the road. So basically, like, if we have to pick between, like, put your kid on a pedestal or make sure you talk them, you know, keep them in their place at all times, probably somewhere in between those is a, is a better way to approach I, I it. I think so. Some of the studies show, interesting to ask that, that narcissistic traits are on the rise in the last um, two decades. Interesting. And some... Um, I guess social psychologists and, and uh, probably some child psychologists are saying that it's partly in the way that we're rearing in our current society, the post-World War II society, yeah. and where it's all about individual kind of approach to things and the participation, you know, focusing on lifting up everything and, and not having any real struggles um, in life. So they're saying that, uh, and also then social media. I was about to say, and selfies. 
selfies, um, <laughs> you know, just Facebook likes and those kind of things um, are definitely changing uh, our culture's brains. And by the way, a little, little segue, have you seen The Social Dilemma? I did. I watched we were, it tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I've not seen it, but we were talking about that yeah. earlier a little bit. That, yeah. that's, that's fascinating. I just watched it last night, and yeah. I would have to say I recommend people watch it. Um, I think uh, some of it was appealing, some of it was it was less, but I thought the the basic concept of what's going on with our current um, social media platforms was yeah. spot on, and something I've been trying to tell parents for a decade now is that this thing is affecting your child's brain. Right. Yeah, and I wasn't like surprised by much of it. It was just reinforced things that I already felt like I knew and read about. Yeah, but it's kind of sobering, isn't it? It, It's a little disheartening, I would say. One good takeaway from it, um, like I I have to use Facebook for my job every day. Like it's part of it. Um, And I I will check it throughout the day, but I don't check it much. Like it's not my thing. but it is really good. I liked in there where it gives you advice of like things you can do, even with Netflix and YouTube and Facebook, um, that will help break the algorithm a bit. Agreed. Like, hey, if you still want to use these things, uh, okay, that's your prerogative. Uh, here's something you can do that will help break the algorithm. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and I don't want to say that that everyone who uses a social media platform is is you know destined for doom. That's not at all what I'm saying. What what really spoke to me was the effect it's having on the developing brain, young people. That's especially, especially, and old people. I've noticed. Oh, so I mean, we, I've noticed. Yeah, the old people. Old people are struggling a little bit. Uh, so here's a here's the thing. Um, my daughter, you know, she, she's eleven, right? Sixth grade, and so obviously no social media accounts. No, it's not going to happen. Really? Oh yeah, no, no, no. Good for you. No, but so she was curious just about like how it works right and instagram and this and that and she she will go and like look at mine or look at bombs or whatever um and so she just kept asking like when can i actually have one and so eventually got around to because you know you got the, the pig the dog with three legs yeah. and so everybody always says like oh you gotta do an instagram account for pig and i don't want to do that i don't have time to do that, do that yeah so i thought ooh, wait a minute lila Maybe you could do this. I could start an account for him, and you could run it because because she will learn like right like ways to post the best pictures and this and that. And I wanted her to be creative because she it's not Lila. Nobody knows. I mean, we're talking about it, obviously, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah like it doesn't say anywhere. This right. is run by an eleven year old girl. She is the dog, so all of the captions are written in the dog's voice and whatever. So I was like, I was like, man, this will be really creative outlet for her, and she can take pictures and learn how to take good pictures and this and that. Um, And I know people that their full time job is running Instagram accounts for like car dealerships and whatever, and that like their job is to post very marketable, like one thing a day, very marketable job. And so, so I really told her, I was like, look, I was like, if you become good at this and understand about the use of hashtags and the use of you know how not to post too much and just enough and whatever, I was like, you know, this could be something that as a teenager you can get a job. Doing. She'll surpass my my knowledge skills by eleven and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but but I am also talking to her a lot about like, look, you are going for maximum exposure here. This is not you. Like likes in real life on like a personal account don't matter. Like none followers and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's and, a great learning learning uh, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Now on the there's some app. It's not TikTok, but it's very similar to that. Uh, that all her and all her friends use. It's a dancing singing app, right? 
it is all about competing. And her and her, you know, she gets bummed out. Like, well, why is my friend getting, you know, 150 likes on this thing? And because it's you basically just two people like will do a dance and then mm-hmm. viewers can vote on yeah. the yeah. rate so my that, dance. That one's a problem. Yeah. Uh, for the record, Mr. Miyagi is against the middle of the road. Sorry, he's squished like grape is what happens if you're in the middle of the road. According to Mr. Miyagi, he would oh. have been a terrible parent. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. It's a different analogy a little bit, but I just want to make yeah, sure yeah, I yeah. clarified. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing to the movie, did you see uh, Jonathan Haidt in the movie? Oh. He's our five yeah. tenets of morality that we talked oh, about. Right, in the past. Yeah. He was in there. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. good. Um, all right, so... How much time we got left? Oh, we got time. Yeah, okay. let's get let's do like three more minutes on this one, and then we'll come break. back. Yeah, we got a couple of uh, comments from listeners and stuff. And okay, we'll cover right. that when we come back. So I'm going to go over just so I've I've done it. I'm going to go over what the criteria are in the DSM five for okay. a narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. okay, MPD. MPD. So five of these nine traits, and these five of those nine traits have to affect your ability to function in in social, occupational, okay. and in personal areas. Okay? Gotcha. So having these five traits doesn't give you the disorder, but if it affects your ability to function, that gives you the disorder. Gotcha. Does that make sense? To be effective in your yeah. realms. But okay. the traits you have to have in order to be labeled with, quote-unquote, narcissistic okay. personality uh, are five of the following nine. Grandiosity, which exaggerates achievement, takes uh, talents, and, and um, expects to be recognized as superior without commensurate achievements. That's one. Number two, preoccupied with fantasies of un- unlimited success, power, brilliance, and beauty. Okay. Number three, believes he or she is unique and can only be understood by other special people. Next, requires excessive adoration. I alluded to that yep. already. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, sense of entitlement, ex- especially um, favorable, tr- expect, excuse me, mm-hmm. expects especially favorable treatment. Mm-hmm. or compliance by others. Next, interpersonally exploitative in order to achieve his or her own ends. Okay. Next, lacks empathy. Next, often envious of others and believes others should be envy, envied, excuse me, envious of him or her. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, it's both. They mm-hmm. often envy other people. Right. They also feel like they should be envied. Interesting. Um, next, in the last one, shh. Shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Now, now look. Many people can show those mm-hmm. symptoms and not have the disorder. Right. But if you have those symptoms, and it affects your ability to interact with other people, yeah. or your occupation, your social functioning, or it causes you internal distress, then that could be a disorder. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, yes. yes absolutely. Now people, you know, have yeah. heard what the actual symptoms are. That makes sense. Um, and why you can't really name label someone as having the disorder because you don't really know how they're experiencing it and how the people immediately around them experience it. Mm-hmm. But you can say this person seems to have traits that fall in that category because you can observe that through yeah, whatever Yeah, that means. seems pretty easy to do when you list those nine traits. Yeah. So, yeah, um, interesting. All right, quick break. We'll come back for one final segment with Dr. Mark okay. Westfall tonight. I'm Will. Let's read it over the radio. I do want to talk about this. So, Janine wrote in and said... Um, uh, it is true that mental health professionals can't officially label a person with a diagnosis, like a personality disorder. If, if and she says we, so I guess she's if we haven't met them. Um, she says, but everyone definitely knows who we're talking about, uh, you know, who we've been referring to on and off throughout the show. And she says that there are lots of books coming out now, written by his former allies and and colleagues, and um, and they're providing a lot of data 
about his personality and a lack of agreeableness and need for affirmation. So, yeah. Right. So, I mean, can yeah. you, can you from that, if you don't talk to the person, but talk to everyone around them that he, that that person has affected, can you then um, say, okay, well, yeah, here's what's going yeah, on. Yeah. I think in the case of a narcissist, so if, if, if someone came to me, um, I mean, still, I don't know that I would go on a limb and, and diagnose someone in the public world sure. uh, uh, with a condition, but uh, a narcissist, as I said earlier, is typically not going to present for treatment. But if, if the world around them is in chaos, in their, I say the world around them, their, their relationship world, okay, and it's just coming apart and, and I'm doing family therapy or something and the person, uh, you know, in the, in the family, th- let's say the, typically it's male, more men than women have narcissistic personality, by the yeah. way. Uh, so let's say the, 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 the father figure won't come to family therapy, but everyone else is there, and they're all giving the same reports of this behavior and whatnot, then certainly I would say, well, it sounds like your husband or father has... Uh, you know, uh, narcissistic personality disorder, and I would educate them like I am you guys, but I would also go into more detail about what do you do with living with someone with narcissistic personality disorder? And it's really irrelevant whether I attach attach the word disorder to it or not. Mm -hmm. If someone's coming to you and saying, I'm having difficulty with this person, I say, well, tell me about them. And they list some traits. Whether those traits are a disorder or not is almost irrelevant it to helping fix the situation it's like well okay this trait is causing you troubles let's understand this trait yeah. and we listed off some of the traits the grandiosity thinking the need for ad- adoration um, and one that i really think is misunderstood by people is the empathy because um, a lot of people think that um uh people with narcissistic personality or or you know are just mean and the reality is is they truly deficient in one of the very basic human abilities and that ability is to feel what someone might be feeling even though you haven't experienced what they're experiencing that is a very uh, evolved ability to learn from someone else if i can't learn by watching someone else go through a difficult time that means i have to experience everything myself emotionally in order to grow emotionally that's a very immature not from a like a adult thing but from a, a emotionally immature yeah. it's very mm-hmm. uh, a rudimentary kind of uh, of ability to have and so i actually when i work with people who are in a family that has someone who's a narcissist i work on them uh, developing a little bit of of actual empathy to yeah. recognize that this person is not treating you this way because you deserve it mm. or because they don't like you. They don't understand you. Yeah. It's very different. It can actually make the person feel less injured by that by If that they can understand the behavior and how to cope with it when they're dealing with it on the receiving end. Yeah, if they, underst- if they can understand that that behavior is rooted in an inability yeah. to understand your emotion. Yeah. Um, they s- perceive the world through their eyes, and if it doesn't jive with what they've experienced or what they know, yeah. then they're distrusting of it. It doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. They don't have the tool within which to receive that information and interpret what it means. And so they act like a tool. So they, act, right. Yes, they act like a tool. Okay, so let me ask you a question, because right there you're talking about like, 
treating this problem when it comes to working with the people who are affected adversely, right? Yes. Even though they're not the source of it, they're not the person with the disorder, if we're thinking of it Correct. that way. So if you find yourself, and I know it's rare because these people may mm -hmm. not come to you for treatment, but if you find yourself in a Tony Soprano kind of situation where this person is in front of you, how do you treat this with the person who has great great this question disorder. and so tony soprano is a great example because there was a lot of debate in the psychiatry world whether he actually had the personality disorder because he sought treatment yeah um and so treating a narcissist and again this is there's multiple types of narcissist and multiple traits but someone who is severe um on the narcissistic spectrum of all the things i just that i've listed before yeah. actually is is um, extraordinarily resistant to any treatment. Mm. I don't mean that they resist. I mean, they don't respond. Right. They do not respond typically to psychotherapy um, or to medications. Are they, they sometimes open to it, but then they just don't? They sometimes are open to it, but it just is very difficult and yeah. very small increments of change because, again, they're lacking some of the fundamental, and again, I'm talking about the severe cases. Again, that... That dial of empathy, even for a narcissist, is somewhere between, you know, if zero is none, 100 is all. It's on the lower end, but yeah. it varies. Um, and they often have empathy for someone if that someone is going through something they've already been through. Yeah. So, like, for example, let's say they've been through a situation, like maybe they've been through a divorce, and now someone else is getting a divorce. They will think, I understand completely what you're going through because now they've been injured. And they often can pull that person in and actually sometimes be reassuring to them yeah. because they, they say, I, I know exactly what you're going through, and they'll then start throwing negatives about the, their spouse or whatever. So they might can show empathy, but it's really not true empathy because true empathy is being able to feel what someone's feeling when you when don't you haven't been through that. Yeah. Or when, yeah, when you're not feeling it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they really often lack the true empathy that occurs in, in most p individuals to some degree. So what is the treatment approach? Does it rest on like a dude, you are wrong about things approach or like, how do you, what do you do? Well, you typically do not. One of the classic statements from, uh, uh, in training was do not confront a narcissist unless you want, um, either for them to never come back yeah. um, or them to express e extreme amounts of anger at you. Yeah. Um, you have to actually, what, what I have done, and I'm not saying it's been, you know, I, I successfully convert people away from the narcissism, sure. but you have to use the narcissism to their benefit. Okay? So <laughs> you're smart enough to figure this out about yourself. <laughs> so, well, no, you, you, you you appeal to aspects, other aspects of their personality that, that might be becoming. Mm. And you help them understand that it is going to, they're going to get better relationships, they're going to get further along in life or further economic gain if they can focus on this aspect of their personality. So you use their need for adoration yeah. and grandiosity to steer them to a different trait that yeah. they might can uh, um, expand on um, that might diminish some of the other traits. You explained that people might adore them more if they would exactly. work more on this other thing. That's exactly that, right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Dolan writes in a question. This is a great question, as a matter of fact, and something I think we talked about four years ago. He says, uh, what would the problems be would have, with having a narcissistic president? Almost all politicians, right, register on the narcissism scale. We well, talked about, like, like yeah, it's just a built-in thing. So for the most part, uh, a hint of narcissism 
you know, is, is yeah. needed to be a good leader and politician, I yeah, think, yeah. probably. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that almost all politicians. I would say that almost all world leaders okay. have Rare. an element okay. of narcissism. I mean, it, it's almost imperative to have some level of disconnection with the day-to-day struggles uh, of the world because you couldn't get anything done. I mean, you're making decisions that have dramatic effect on, yeah. on things. Um, so, but I'm not saying... That all world leaders are narcissistic. You're not saying Angela Merkel is a narcissist. I'm just saying that, that yeah. there certainly is often some sprinkling in leaders of of countries, and yeah. that is a common trait that gets people elected. Let's go back to the part that narcissists are v- very good at getting people to adore them. Yeah, they're they're masters at getting people to adore them. Well, to get elected, people have to adore you. Yeah. So it it really works for a lot of people to have a narcissistic trait. So Dylan's a great question, um, and it's not all bad, right? Okay, I think, I think some of that would... is is positive. So the question is, at what point is the person any person's behavior? And I'm I'm not saying it, President Trump. I'm saying any person. At what point is the behavior a problem or the trait a problem? And so I I can't speak to um, you know, what goes on in the, the details of what goes on in, in President Trump's private life. Sure. Okay. Or any world leader's private life. Sure. Um, but I think one aspect of measuring a leader, uh, you can tell by the people around them. Yeah. Um, how do they experience it? And is this, you know, typically what they've experienced with other leaders in this setting and those kind of things? And, and or is it, you know, is it a positive experience, a more positive or less positive. And so I think in general, anytime you're assessing a situation, the more points of view that you gather, the better understanding you can have. So for anyone who's listening who wants to apply this to politics, I would strongly suggest that you read and listen to anybody's account on both sides, far right, far left, whatever, who've actually worked with whatever individual you're trying to evaluate. Read what they say about this individual, okay? Read multiple accounts so you can kind of become, come away with an understanding for yourself right. of how you perceive that individual and whether you think that individual uh, can uh, be the type of person you want to be a leader. What are the qualities of leader? Because, you know, there's that fine line between high self-esteem versus narcissism, right? We would all say, oh, it's good to think highly of yourself, For but sure. at some point it becomes a problem. And so in what ways does that manifest in other you know, ways that are problematic? Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Self-esteem is only, isn't, is a, is a spectrum. Grandiosity is yeah. not self-esteem. That is beyond, that's taking that dial way over way towards over. 100. Yep. Um, and thinking, because you, part of it is thinking you have Grandiosity means you think you possess traits that you actually don't have, or that you've made achievements that you actually haven't haven't achieved. Achievements like the world has never seen before, something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sadly, we're out of time. All right. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio, one hundred seven point three FM in Birmingham, ninety seven point five in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>